What? So what? Now what? I tell you what now. We're going to stop making the ABCs our priority, and we're going to become deeply concerned about the Ds, the Es, and the Fs. That's what. That's what's now. Let's pray. Lord, give us ears to hear what you'd want to say, us, say to us tonight. Work deeply in our hearts. Work deeply in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. For a long time now, the North American church has been very concerned about the A's, the B's, and the C's. Attendance, buildings, and cash. The problem with being concerned about the ABCs, attendance, buildings, and cash, is the ABCs don't help people find and follow Jesus. We can't stay concerned about the A's, the B's, and the C's. We have to emphasize the D's, the E's, and the F's. We have to emphasize things that are going to help people find and follow Jesus. Discipleship, evangelism, fellowship. Now what? We're not going to make the ABCs our priorities at the neighborhood church. We're not going to make the ABCs the priorities of our hearts. We're going to be concerned about discipleship, evangelism, and fellowship. Leadership for a long time has been talking about lag measures and lead measures. And I, I want to talk to you about that just a quick couple of minutes here. Uh, Lag measures don't make anything happen. Lag measures just tell us if anyone is actually doing anything that makes a difference. Lag measures. Lead measures, on the other hand, uh, are concrete actions that bring results. Let me apply this now to something most of us will be able to relate to on one level or another. Let me bring it into your homes. Let me bring it into uh, parenting. Your lag measure in parenting may be to raise great godly kids. I would suggest to you that's a lofty goal. That's an important goal. That's a wonderful goal. That's an amazing goal. That's the right goal. But if that's the only plan you've got is to raise great godly kids, you're going to recognize at some stage that uh, writing that down and hiding it in your wallet as your plan is not enough. You've got to have some lead measures. Let me throw a lead measure at you that might be helpful. 
uh, lead measure in parenting may be to have a fun, private, as life is happening, chat about spiritual things with each one of your kids at least three times a week. That might help. Lag measures don't just happen. You've got to have some lead measures that make the lag measure happen. Uh, when we try to just live on goals, we live disappointed. We have to have action. We have to have lead measures that make the lag measures happen. I'd suggest to you tonight that uh, the church for a long time has been hung up on the lag measures, tendons, buildings, and cash. And they haven't been thinking very much about the D, the E, the F, discipleship, evangelism, and fellowship which is where the action is. And when you look after this stuff, the D's, the E's, and the F's, guess what happens? The ABC's are looked after automatically. The lag measures follow the lead measures. So we're making a decision here. Uh, we got to get this all switched around at the neighborhood, and we got to get this all switched around in our hearts, and we are going to start working on the D's, the E's, and the F's. And when we work on the D's, the E's, and the F's, the A's, the B's, and the C's will look after themselves. These are lead measures. That's a lag measure. A lag measure doesn't make anything happen. So Pastor Jordan's coming, and he's going to talk about D is for discipleship. Thank you, Pastor John. Yep, D not for degree, but for discipleship, okay? And uh, I want to talk just a few minutes tonight about how discipleship is different than salvation and how there are many components to discipleship. So if I really wanted to, we could probably do 20 weeks on this subject, okay? But today we're going to talk about it in the avenue of when it comes to serving and when it comes to work. So let's look at the scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 and 9 says this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your, of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one can boast. And so we've all heard this before. We all can probably agree to this, that we are saved apart from works. Amen? There's nothing that we do, there's nothing that we bring to the table that earns salvation. It's all because of what Jesus did, that he went to the cross freely, and that he had our sin forgiven, and through him, by his grace, not by works, we are saved. I think we would all amen that today. But I find what happens sometimes is that there's a bit of a tension sometimes in our Christian walk between salvation and works, and grace and works, if I could say it like that. Because sometimes there's this tendency to just want to lean towards grace, 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 grace. And, 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 and we sometimes forget that there's a tension there still. That the Christian life very much still has a lot to do with works and service. And where would I get that from? Well, let's keep reading. Next verse, verse 10. says this. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so it seems to mean that salvation isn't an end in and of itself, but really a launching point into discipleship, into doing good works, which God apparently has prepared for each and every one of us who follow him beforehand for us to do. We've been saying this little statement around lately, save people, right on, some of you know it, save people, serve people. And I know sometimes that can get a little cliche from time to time, and we never want it to get that way, because it kind of just rolls off the tongue easily. But it's true that Jesus saves us, not just so that we look after our own business, or look after our own concerns, or um, just look after what makes life easier for us, but he saved us so that we could be a part of his kingdom and a part of the work of his kingdom, and loving him and loving other people. And I fear sometimes in the culture that we live in that it can be tempting to buy into a consumer kind of Christianity, if I could say it like that. This idea that I just need to look for what makes me happy or what helps me or what gets me ahead or what makes me feel better in life. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I believe in many ways our faith and, the, and, and how we go about that will help some of those things in our lives. But that can't simply be the primary focus, right? But the way of the kingdom, I think, is very different than just a consumer Christianity, but that God has called everyone who follows him to become a contributor and to contribute to the work of his kingdom. And to contribute, not simply just consume what's for me, but how can I give to him? How can I give to other people? And I think each of us has a role to play, and each of us is called to contribute something. No one was ever called to follow Jesus and asked just to sit on the sidelines or just to warm the bench, if I could say it like that. But we've all been given time, treasures, talents, and we need every part of the body to contribute and to work together. And as we do this, I believe we live out the great commandment of loving God and loving people. And we serve God and we serve the world around us. You see, the mindset of the church has always been different because those in the church know that it's not simply for them and for their own benefit. I think it was William Temple who once said that church is the one society that exists primarily for the benefit of its non-members. And so as people, a part of the church, we need to be looking and how can we serve? How can we um, be his workmanship? How can we live out what it is that he's given us and put our gifts and talents and golden opportunities to use in order to grow his kingdom and that others would come to know him? And we need everyone to be a part of that. We need you to be a part of what we're doing going forward. And it's, it's a good thing for us to talk about this, I think, on kickoff weekend in the fall. Because we need you to be a part of this. We need your contribution to this community. Erwin McManus, a pastor in L.A., also an author, guy who um, I've read a lot of his books and heard a lot of his talks, he says this. He says, there's something mystical about servanthood because God is a servant. When we serve others, we more fully reflect the image of God. And our hearts begin to resonate with the heart of God. We may never be more like God than when we're serving from a purely selfish motivation. And I like that. I like that thought. I like the thought that when we serve, we become more like Jesus, that saved people really do serve people. 
And serving isn't just something that we have to do. Serving is something that God in his grace allows us to do. And we get to do it. And we need you to be a part of it. And so what are some ways that you can serve here at the Neighborhood Church this year? I'm just going to um, throw out a couple ideas for you. We've been talking about this a lot over the last few weeks. We're looking for ushers. We're looking for those who can help with greeting, who can help prepare coffee. Um, the kids' ministry, who you've seen take off here just a few minutes ago, can always use people who just have a passion for kids, loving kids, and wanting them to know Jesus. I know Pastor Paige can really use some help there. Um, worship ministry on the stage, audio tech behind the scenes. Um, perhaps you know God's been nudging you to start a life group and just build fellowship and build community with people. There are many ways in which you can get involved here at the Neighborhood Church this fall, and there is a place for you to serve on our team right now. We'd love to have you here. And so why serve? Well, let me give you just a few quick reasons. You see, when we give of our time and talents and we serve, I think we actually live out the great commandment of loving God and loving other people. Serving is an attitude, I think, not only towards others, but also towards God. And when we serve others, we begin to take the focus, I think, solely off of our own wants and needs and desires, and we move our attention onto God and onto other people, their wants, their needs, and their desires. You see, serving frees us, I think, from the mentality that life is simply about us. Serving frees us, I think, from the Western mindset that thinks that our Christian life is just an individualistic way of living. But serving brings us back to where Jesus wants us to be, and that's in community with him and with other people. Serving connects us with each other. Serving reminds us how important the world out there really is to Jesus. And more importantly, when we give and serve, it not only benefits us, but it benefits those who are in our community. And so serving is the way of the kingdom. Serving is the way of Jesus, and he modeled it for us. When we serve, we serve because every one of us has something to contribute. And so I just want to encourage you, church, that yes, you know, we've been saved by grace, not by works. There's nothing we could ever do to earn that. But in the same vein, the scriptures say that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared for us to do in advance. And I'm shouting out to everyone today, not just the adults, although I'm talking to you. I'm shouting out to the junior youth, to the youth, to the young adults. Everyone can be a part of this. We want you all a part of this team. And so my challenge tonight is just to encourage you to join one of our teams this fall. We need you. And that save people, serve people. Pastor John. Thank you, Pastor Jordan. We are not going to spend our energies on a bunch of lag measures, tendons, buildings, cash. We're going to pour ourselves into the lead measures that are going to make a difference in the lives of others. D is for discipleship. E is for evangelism. We are committed as a church to helping people find and follow Jesus. And we have a number of ministries that are designed for that. We have Grief Share on Monday, Monday nights led by 
uh, Gloria Barrett Waslikowski. What a great job she does. She has done such a good job that the community has found out how good a job she's doing. And one of the funeral homes in the city has said, can you give us Tuesday nights every week and run grief share out of our funeral home? People in pain, people who are hurting, we're going to help them find and follow Jesus and lead them to an understanding of the joy in Christ and the power of eternal life. And so just a couple of months ago, I had the privilege of taking one of the ladies who had been a part of Grief Share and baptizing her. We have Grief Share. We have Grief Share doing a work of evangelism. We have our counseling ministry and are so, so grateful for the work of Jenny and meeting with people. We established a counseling ministry as a church that is absolutely free to everybody in our church and absolutely free to everyone in the community. And we are going to come alongside people and we're going to help them work through the stuff that they just desire and need some, some good help with. And then Pastor Murdoch coming along. Um, we have the uh, Alpha Ministry, which is so uh, such a huge part of our work and ministry in evangelism. So give Pastor Murdoch a hand as he comes and and joins me up here. Bless you. This is a this is a good good brother. They're excited to have you at Saturday Church. Uh, that's good. Hey, so when is Alpha starting? On the twenty first. Twenty first, the day after the election, Alpha starts. What time does it start? Six thirty. Six thirty, right here in the. If they show up for Alpha, what's it going to look like? What are well, they going to be coming to? We start off with a great meal at six thirty, and then we. Do they have uh, to pay for that meal? Well, the first one is free, and that's great news for a Scotsman. <laughs> first meal's free, good. <laughs> the uh, remainders are based on a donation of whatever you can chip in. Free and donations, that's a good system, bless yep. you. Okay. And then we have a half hour of teaching, a teaching video, followed by uh, small groups. We have a number of small group leaders, and they're in the small groups. Questions are asked, all kinds of questions, as people try to figure out the purpose of their life. And that's what Alpha is all about. Beautiful. Thank you. Alpha coming on the 21st. Our church has a venue in Martinsville. And... Uh, I just love what I see happening in Martinsville. Throw, throw the next picture up just so you get a picture of, of some of the, the people and what we do at Martinsville. All of those vehicles back there are Martinsville people showing up to Martinsville venue. We have a burden. We have a heart. We have a desire to see Martinsville reached for Christ. And here's my challenge to all of you. I invite you to prayerfully consider... And, and I mean this, prayerfully consider, I want everyone to make this a matter of prayer about considering coming alongside of us and, and making things work in Martinsville, helping us reach that fast-growing community for Christ. You say, are you asking me to change churches? No. It's one church. It's the same church. It's the neighborhood church. It's the same great 
ministry that we receive in this building. But I tell you, just an addition of another 25 people or so who have a passion for the mission field, passion for reaching people for Christ, will add some momentum and stability to that church, which will be a huge difference maker. We're in Martinsville. We're not in Martinsville because we're looking more work for more work to do. We're in Martinsville because we want to help people find and follow Jesus. We want to be on mission in that Martinsville, Warman, Osler, Dalmany area. We're starting something new in October called Unedited. Unedited is going to be a new and exciting uh, ministry of the neighborhood church. Uh, we are going in to the world via unedited, via online ministry. Uh, Pastor Jordan and Pastor Yasmin and Ashley are working hard at establishing this venue that is gonna have church every single Wednesday night online. And the target audience is not you. The target audience is people who do not know Jesus yet, people who do not come to church yet. We're going to do something really, really novel. We're going to go into their world. Did somebody suggest that? We're going to go into their world and we're going to reach them where they are at. Sometimes they'll talk about, we'll talk about current events. Sometimes we'll have musical guests. Sometimes we'll uh, cheer on a new business in the city. Sometimes they'll play some games. They're all going to be different and we're going to put mix Jesus into the mix. We are going to go into the world of people who do not yet know Jesus it's not for you, it's for them. Don't complain, it's for them. We're going into their world with the gospel. You say, oh, no, no, I hope our church isn't getting into this online stuff. Friends, it's not an either or thing for us. This is binary. We are going to remain deeply committed to an in-person ministry. Uh, we're going to remain very committed to in-person services. But we know there are people to reach as we establish this online ministry, unedited, being launched in October. Pray for it. Tell your friends about it. Uh, how else do we reach people? Personal relationships have always been the best way. Tell you where we've got it wrong. We've been going after a lag measure called conversion. It's not what the C stands for, cash, but we've been going after a lag measure called conversion. You know what we do out there with, in our relationships? We love people. And if we'll really love people, God will look after the lag measures. Invest in relationships, friends. Uh, find the person at your school. Find the person at, at your place of employment who perhaps is lonely and needs a friend more desperately than anybody. And you become that loving person in their life. You become that friend. Uh, God will honor it. We're going to invest in relationships. We're going to invest in reaching new Canadians for Christ. 
There's a whole bunch of them right across the strait. Spent a lot of time in Calgary over the last couple of months with Dad getting weaker and weaker as time went on. And one day I was at my sister's house after spending time with Dad in the hospital. My nephew walked in, great big guy. I mean, I feel tiny beside him. And he's uh, working at an Alliance church in Calgary. I said, how do you spend your day? He said, we were at uh, the expression of our ministry uh, for new Canadians. We have an open house ministry for new Canadians. We've got to figure out how to touch our new Canadians. We've got to be there for them. And lastly, and this is a reflection of this, and Don Ferguson has provided such great leadership in this area. English is second language. We are going to be concerned for the harvest field. We're going to be concerned for the harvest field. We're going to be committed to evangelism. F is for fellowship, Pastor Gasman. Well, that doesn't sound as loud as Pastor Murdoch's, but okay. I guess you're used to me on Saturday nights. <laughs> there we go, thanks. That felt good for the ego, I guess. Um, so F is for fellowship. Um, and I'm going to actually start with a quote that's going to come up on the screen here. God uses people to form people. That is why what happens between you and another person is never merely a human-to-human -human interaction. The spirit longs to be powerfully at work and every, in every encounter. So character change, which I'm hoping you want, and we can always be changing and forming and becoming better, right? Character change happens best in the context of community. In groups, people can get close enough to actually know one another, not just shake each other's hands, right? You learn to care and to share, to challenge, to support, to confide, to confess, uh, to forgive, or to maybe even be forgiven, to laugh and to cry together, to be accountable to each other, to watch over each other and to grow with one another, because personal growth for yourself does not happen in isolation. It is a result of interactive relationships. So groups, neighborhood groups at the church, which will be starting at the beginning of October, are truly God's gift to us uh, to foster change in character and spiritual growth. We all know through social media and other technology, right, in this world, that we do seem so much more connected, but yet research shows that people have fewer genuine friends than ever before. It can feel really scary, I know that, especially if you're like an introvert, right, um, to actually get to know people on this type of deep level. It's much more easier to stay home or to um, more convenient to stay home and to just be on the surface level with one another. Yet when you take the risk of being authentic with a small group, with a neighborhood group of people, we can experience God's grace and love through others, which leads to freedom and transformation. Now, maybe you're thinking, nope, that's not for me. Well, first of all, I could make a group of people who don't like groups. That's the first thing I could say. But what I wanna say is that just try it. Just try it, because maybe it's not actually about you. 
And maybe it's about someone else, someone else that you need to speak into, someone else who you can give your wisdom or your life experience to. So my hope with groups is simply this, to inspire people to be with people. Especially after this last year and a half, I can't think of anything better of people being with people. So you've heard me talk about groups lots. And so for the last portion, I'm going to let the people of this church tell you what it looks like to be in a group. And then Pastor John will close this up. Weekly, and we have done so for almost two years now. It started right at the beginning of COVID. We started doing uh, it over Zoom, and I've got to say, it's been life-changing for me. Since moving to Saskatoon uh, 12 years ago, I never really felt like I had a really strong support system outside of like my own family out here. Um, but it's just been so incredible to have people that I can turn to to know I'm going. They're actually going to pray for me. It's not being like, oh, you know, prayer hands. I'll pray for you continue scrolling um, and just knowing that there are people out there that uh, that will really show up when I need somebody and that and to have the privilege and honor of showing up for other people when they're going through their stuff too so case yeah. in point <laughs> uh, yes I echo everything Amanda just said it's um, it's been so great for people that you know, Amanda and I knew each other kind of, but a little, a little bit. Um, but there are so many people, even part of our group that um, that I never even, I, I never knew and never met in person until recently. And I feel like we're already so close already. Um, and little things like bringing me coffee in my time of need with the newborn in construction. Um, to be able to at any time of day, or night, <laughs> go into our chat and just say, hey ladies, I need some prayer about this. I need my prayer warriors. Um, they have been there through thick and thin. And in the, it's been so great to celebrate with everybody and it's been so great to, um, to be able to weep together and to just honestly come together and laugh and chat about absolutely nothing half the time. Half the time, occasionally, yeah. we go to actually talk about something and end up chatting about just our weeks and, and really just having a time of fellowship and being together. And it's just been such, such a great time. So good. So good. So highly encourage anybody. If you're even thinking about, I'm a huge introvert. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and, and I always, always walk away never doubting um, that it was just the best thing I could have done for my day and for my week to show up. Absolutely. Totally agree. Love these ladies. <laughs> Join a group. Yeah. <laughs> Where two or three are gathered in my name, and I am there in their midst. The words of our Lord, small groups. Uh, my experience with small groups has been very enriching and rewarding, uh, spiritually, mentally, making new friends, uh, going deeper into the word. Uh, I encourage you to join a small group. You won't regret it. I joined the neighborhood church during COVID, so joining a small group was a great way for me to meet new people. We have a small group of all women and right now and just 
we've become very close in the fact that we were able to be very transparent. We're not pretending to be something we're not, and we share everything that is going on in our lives with each other, trying to figure out how to apply the sermon to our lives, but also how to go through the things that we are going through as women and as mothers and as um, as children of, of elderly parents, um, all of those things that all of us are working through. Um, it's just been an amazing journey with these women and um, the fact that everybody is truly transparent and, and wanting to do this together has made a world of difference to all of us. Um, I didn't really know what to expect when I started my group. Uh, we had a few members come and go in the first few weeks that uh, the guys who stuck around in my men's group, uh, we kind of, we really formed some good, strong relationships. We hang out outside of the groups. Uh, we went paintballing once. Um, we have some barbecue sometimes. And uh, yeah, yeah, if you're looking to make some long lasting relationships, these life groups that we're having at the neighborhood church is definitely how to do that. I really enjoyed attending our ladies' small group this past year. It has been um, a great place to get to know other women in the church and build some new friendships. Uh, it's also just great to be able to share with each other about what's going on in our lives and pray for each other, not just when we meet together, but all throughout the week. And it just really means a lot to know that we have this group of ladies that care about each other and are there to help each other. Hey everybody, just want to tell you about our group and why we're excited about it. We do a Zoom group every Monday at 7, and we've got people that would be uh, several hours north, south, east, or west. And so it's an opportunity for everybody to gather together. We've reduced the travel time, uh, which is good, and get to know each other. We review the sermon for the week and uh, just have a little social time as well. Time for prayer. We've seen some amazing answers to prayer. And so uh, I would encourage you to join a group. We'd love to have you in ours, but uh, find a group that fits your needs and, uh, and join a group. When I first joined um, Neighborhood Group, I did it because I thought, oh, it'll be a great way to get to know a few people, and it'll be a great way just to kind of um, start getting in with people in the church and, and um, meeting some new people and getting involved. Uh, but it is so, so much more than that. Um, it is a way to get connected to community, absolutely. But this group has sat with me through the mess of life helped me to sort through um, my deepest fears, rejoiced with me and my greatest triumphs, prayed for me when I had no words to pray. So you need to join the neighborhood group. There's so much more than just a group um, of people getting together for a Bible study. It is quite honestly a life group that you share life with, that you do life with, that you learn um, to be Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Join a group.
Thank you, Pastors Jordan and Yasmin, for helping tonight. You are really blessed with some very significant pastoral leaders, and I salute both of you tonight. Friends, we're not going to live here. We're going to be deeply committed to making disciples, reaching out in evangelism, and creating places of fellowship. Pastor Don and I have a good friend named Patty Miller. Patty Miller pastors Evangel Church in downtown Montreal, one of the flagship churches of our nation. This church is just down the hill from McGill University. She was talking to a pastor uh, from Pakistan who's been in Canada now a number of years, and she asked him, what's different about the Canadian church than back home? And this was his response. Canadian Christians are so passive. Canadian Christians are so passive. Friends, it's time for us to get passionate. This is not some tiny, little, small thing that you and I are a part of. There are more churches in Saskatchewan than there are gas stations and Tim Hortons combined. This is not some tiny little thing that we need to feel like we're strange people because we're part of. This is a big thing. This is a huge thing. The Church of Christ in Canada has 250,000 full-time employees and a whole bunch of part-time employees and over hundreds of thousands of people who volunteer to make the church go forward every single week across the nation. This is not some tiny thing we need to be embarrassed about. We need to stand up and be proud. We are part of the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are part of the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to move out with a, a new commitment to being mature disciples of Christ, reaching people for Christ. Story, last week's message was about three servants. One was given five talents and another was given two talents. And one was given one talent and the one who had the one talent hid it in the safety deposit box. And when the master came back a number of years later, said, what'd you do with all this stuff I gave you? Uh, this person had said, well, I, I, I just hid it in the safety deposit box. I didn't do anything with it. Somebody messaged me this week and said, a pastor, was that uh, last servant saved? Was, was he a Christian? Here's the answer, no. He was sent to hell. God doesn't send Christians to hell. Now, works don't save us, friends. 
But the absence of work tells something about the condition of our heart. We're meant to be people who are passionately committed, passionately invested in the work, the ways, the wills of, will of God. So, friends, got a year ahead of us. It's potential to be the greatest year that the neighborhood church has ever had. But it's not going to happen if we're a bunch of toe dippers. Paul, we're not going to be toe dippers. He came and reminded me of that in my office this week. We're not going to be toe dippers. We're not going to be half in. Mature people, mature people are people who take on responsibility and are committed to getting the work done. This is a mature church. We're going to be committed to getting the work done.